Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat episode 451. I'm your host for the day, Zach Ryan, and I'm joined today by Per Schneider. Hello. And Tom Brian Altano. Hey. Wow. Yeah, I'm just kidding, you guys. It's it's me, Zach Ryan, and I'm here with Brian and Tom. Hi. Hi. Pair. Yeah, I did a good pair there. That was a, that was like a hauntingly good That's pair. That's all I know is just a hello. Yeah, I, I wonder <laughs> for this April Fool's week if we April fooled anybody into thinking that the German was on the show. That's true. I think it worked for half a second. Guys, I'm feeling like I'm in a weird mood because I'm drinking uh, tea. I don't do an afternoon tea. I usually do a coffee. 
Okay. And uh, I think I've made a terrible mistake. Is this a new thing for you or afternoon? Yeah, I've been having trouble sleeping. I've been having, I've been waking up at two o'clock in the morning and just feeling real existential for a few hours before going back to bed. And I thought it was like an old man's thing, but it could be just a a caffeine thing. I don't Uh, know. It could be well, or, or alcohol. I don't do a lot of that these days. Really? Yeah. Cleaning up my act. You're missing out. I found Jeebus. I'm getting back into it. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) It's good to have hobbies. Speaking of hobbies, you know what I love? Nintendo games. I agree. What? I know. There was some news this week. We thought that it was going to be a very slow week, and then it turns out that we actually got some pretty interesting news. Well, you can't see me out there, but I'm doing news with quotation marks with my hands. Really because, big air quotes. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny because we are, of course, talking about this supposed uh, uh, Best Buy leak, as people are talking about it, but it, it's more listings, right? Mm-hmm. So we wanted to get into this story. So the story is that uh, uh, this week, Warrior64 broke the story. Warrior64, if you guys don't know him, he's a, a big Twitter man. Mm-hmm. He's got a good following, and he has broken a lot of uh, video game stories, uh, found out a lot of hot scoops, and yeah. specifically, he's like pretty renowned for finding stuff out Nintendo-wise. Well, he's like, a re- if you follow him, like if you're ever looking for great deals and stuff, he's like a, a fantastic source for that. And yeah. because of that, he is just constantly in retail listings all over the world, you know, and it's it's the usual the usual suspects in terms of like snitches, right? Like it's like Amazon France is always snitching on video games before they come out, <laughs> and then you know there's Best Buy Canada is always snitching on games before they come out. I think Bethesda even made a joke about them at their press conference last year. Yeah, well, that was Walmart Canada. Yeah, Walmart yeah. Canada. Yeah, exactly. Canadian super nice, also huge video game snitches. So yeah, Warrior sixty four is constantly finding this stuff, and he found a series of of very peculiar, but also obvious, but also just I don't know, perfectly awesome. Great news for fans! Listings mm-hmm. on Best Buy. You want to run through them, Zach? There's some and, good and ones And these here. are in these are in the like back end employee listing. Yeah, so it's not public. So, yeah, I can't remember if it was him or the person that he was reporting from because the the initial leak, the big leak, was that uh, Persona Five is coming to Switch. Right, right. Long, long rumored, often talked about, um, and listed there inside of uh, the Best Buy uh, catalog was Persona Five for Nintendo Switch, right. which is. Sort of problematic. We'll get into that in in a minute. But um, the thing about it is that each of these listings has their own unique skew, um, which lends a little more validity to it. And then the the person that he was reporting from was this dude, Mystic, Mm -hmm. who is also like a big Persona 5 Twitter uh, uh, follower. Translates a lot of info. Yeah, translates a lot of info for for Persona. And uh, he or Wario64, I can't remember who said this, but they said that they were very familiar with Best Buy's um, internal uh, cataloging and that they could confirm that this was in fact from a Best Buy listing. Now, the issue here is that uh, these these listings exist for products that are speculative, right? So yeah. when we hear a rumor from Nintendo, uh, IGN does this as well. Like if we hear a rumor that uh, Metroid Prime Trilogy is coming to Nintendo Switch, we have a team that creates objects in our back end mm-hmm. that allows us to tag things, you know, like we create a Metroid Prime object and right. uh, Metroid Prime Trilogy for Switch object. And that says, you know, it attaches different hashtags, it attaches different tags so that when you're searching for things, these things will pop up. And it is of my understanding that this is probably what Best Buy is doing for these listings, right? Like yeah. Persona 5 has been rumored for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't surprise me at all that they would put that in their catalog to have as something as a placeholder so that when Persona 5 does eventually get kicked down, if it's going to happen, they're already set up to manufacture or to retail that as quickly as possible. Right. So so I did some research just looking back at previous Best Buy listings, kind of how many times they'd hit the mark or been incorrect or correct and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. The thing that stuck out to me is in 2012, there was a Best Buy listing for a game called Yoshi's Land for the Wii U mm-hmm. that 
doesn't exist and I assume was a placeholder of some kind for Wooly World or something like that. Oh, interesting. But I know before. Yeah. So they're they're not 100% on listings like this, right? It's not like a perfect track record for Best Buy listings. Before, I think the last direct direct of last year or the first direct of this year, uh, Amazon did this thing where they listed basically 13 placeholders for unannounced Nintendo games. And it was sort of just like, unannounced Switch game, unannounced Switch game, unannounced Switch game. And then obviously all those Switch games got announced. So it became a big thing, which is really cool. Uh, and so everybody has their own way of doing that, right? And some people list the actual game. Some people make up some nonsense, such as like, you know, Mario House 2 or whatever. Uh, but <laughs> I loved was, the original Mario House. Yeah, and so <laughs> I, I think what's interesting- What happens was, when Mario stops being polite and starts getting real? <laughs> That's the great series, right? Mario's House and Luigi's Mansion and that Toad's be, Shack. It'd be That's the only time where Luigi got it better than Mario did. Um, but the interesting thing here, obviously, Metroid Prime Trilogy was one of the big ones. Uh, we've seen that game. It was, on, it was on Wii U as a Wii game that you could download digitally through Correct. your T-Shop. Now, Wii U actually had a virtual console. Nintendo Switch does not. Uh, this announcement or this leak happened the same day where a Nintendo said, hey, we have a bunch more games coming to NES Online. Uh, they have their infrastructure right now to drop things like Lost Levels and Punch-Out!, uh, Every single month, there's two new NES games. Right now, they do not have an infrastructure to sell you old video games like this. Mm -hmm. So something like Link to the Past uh, or Metroid Prime Trilogy, it makes you go, are they just going to drag and drop that ROM? Or are they making something like a Link's Awakening? Are they doing like a Wind Waker HD type of thing where they're actually porting a full $60 game here? Like, what do you guys actually think this could be? Like, part of me goes... You can't remake Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. But then I would have said the same thing about Link's Awakening three months ago. So here True. we are. I, I think that the the likely or the thing that the best tactic with analyzing these is to not treat them as equals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that things like the Persona rumor and or the Persona listing and the Metroid listing are more likely guesses on Best Buy's part. Yeah. And maybe Link to the Past is just a less likely guess, right? It, yeah. It's not the same level of confidence probably in terms of just like on spec making that listing. Yeah. That's that's my vibe at least. Yeah, I came in a little hot this morning to the office talking about this because the way that we had initially started talking about coverage was like we ha- how are we covering the Nintendo League? How are we covering this thing? And Tom and I it sort of got into it with a couple other people on the staff here, not in like a Fist like cuffs. a not like a, you know. There was blood. You're there wasn't a, it wasn't a conflict by any means, but it was just like, "Hey, let's talk about this in terms of like what this actually means because this doesn't say to me that these titles are coming. This says to me that somebody thinks that these titles might come eventually. Right. right. And like that's totally plausible and 100% more reasonable than saying like Best Buy has leaked three enormous games coming to Nintendo Switch. Tom, you had an interesting point this morning in that conversation yeah. about Persona specifically that I wanted you to talk a little bit about. Yeah, so the rumor about Persona on Switch has been a persistent one for basically no other reason than Joker in Smash Bros, which is a fair reason, but it's not necessarily like we don't have Metal Gear Solid 5 on Switch, right? Like the, the there's or, God, we should. Or you know, the Metal Gear games didn't come out just because Snake was in Smash back in the day. Um, the the thing is, though, the most recent rumors about Persona 5 have been that it would come to Switch in a version called Persona 5S or P5S. Mm-hmm. And that was a few months ago that that rumor happened, and it was kind of unsubstantiated and nobody really heard much about it anymore. But then earlier this week, we heard that P5S was going to be formally announced. This was an official reveal from Atlas. P5S was going to be revealed 
on April 25th, I believe, mm -hmm. um, which is right after more information about P5R, which yeah. is which is the remix. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't know what's going on with that specifically still yet. But yeah. we know there's new character. It's probably what they did with P4. Golden. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Per Persona is in specific Atlas in general, but Persona specifically has this long history of releasing a game and kind of like Final Fantasy does as well, where they right. release like an international version that's a remixed version of. Uh, the plot or the like the characters or something like that where they'll add additional characters or change some things around like so, right yeah. like P5. FES Persona 3 FES added an entirely different like second playthrough Persona 4 Golden had different characters yeah. and different cutscenes yeah. so P5R or Persona 5 the Royal as its full title is is what we assume that's going to be and then P5S we don't know yet and is what is the name of the rumored Switch version so the thing that I pointed out to you earlier Zach is if Best Buy has insider information that Persona 5S is actually a Switch Persona, then why is the listing Persona 5 for Nintendo Switch? Why is it not P5S or Persona 5S? If they know for sure that listing should have been just P5S, it wouldn't have been Persona 5. Oh, right. And yeah, that's, no, that's like, a good point. It's um, just like a really small thing that just makes it seem like probably this is a guess or yeah. a placeholder. Yeah, but the the thing that throws me about this story is is the skews, yeah. right? Like each of these skews is a different number, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that these aren't internal Best Buy skews or placeholders yeah. for this point. They, like they might assign skews through Best Buy for their own those products as placeholders and then replace them when official skews skews come in. Yeah, right. they have skews in UPCs too, which is like the barcode number. But if you could also like, make up your own exact same thing. Though. But if you could also make up your own skews, why wouldn't it be like you know like four twenty six nine or something? What like these numbers look so <laughs> official that it was like that's like a real you know that could potentially be a real skew. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's it's interesting. It's all very interesting, but it's I think they only use hard that for, to make any for definitive Wario. thing. <laughs> yeah, War, that's that's any yeah. Wario game has the same exact skew that's every time. That's his phone number. It's four twenty sixty nine. Yeah, uh, I think that my big takeaway here is what you were saying earlier, Zach, which is all of these things are unsubstantiated or unconfirmed and could be a million things, but are also like not unlikely. <laughs> and so yeah, if they yeah, and, come and true. It's not like Best Buy actually knew anything. Specifically with with Metroid Prime trilogy and Persona. Those are two of probably the most sought after games on Nintendo Switch. Right. You know, like the, we get dozens of questions a week when we when we solicit for question block, and so many of them are like, "When is Metroid Prime coming? Right. When is Persona coming?" Right. And so we obviously there's a rabid fan base for both of those games on Switch, and so I think when people see this kind of uh, listing, I'm not going to call it a leak, but when people see this kind of thing, they have a tendency to be like, "Oh my God, what if this is really happening?" You know, like it's it's wishful thinking yeah, yeah exactly and it's also i don't know with the the metroid thing is still a little sore because we found out recently that that the next installment in that franchise is potentially years and years away and so yeah. this like we've said before is a pretty quick and easy make good you know it's mm -hmm. also like i don't know those games rule and the switch is a lot of people's first nintendo console and having the ability to play them for the first time for many is fantastic and selfishly for us to play again and again right so. uh speaking of games that you can play for the first time uh, we've got some nes games coming to switch we we briefly touched on this a moment ago but every month nintendo's putting out more games for nintendo switch online uh this month we're getting super mario brothers lost levels mm -hmm. which uh Famously, Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan released uh, here as Lost Levels, and it is probably the hardest Super Mario Brothers game. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah those Lost Levels get intense. Yeah, um, this uh, effectively takes the tile set from the original Super Mario Brothers and then breaks all the rules mm -hmm. and makes you do completely outlandish stuff, like uh, <laughs> jump off a springboard and fly basically across an entire level and land on like one brick 
and then do a running jump onto another. Like it's just insane. It it feels like um, someone used a time machine and Mario Maker to yeah. make a sequel to the original Mario Brothers. Yeah. So <laughs> Nintendo originally brought um, Doki Doki Panic over to the United States as uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 because mm -hmm. this version of Super Mario Brothers 2 was too difficult for chubby American babies. Yeah. It was so. deemed too hard for the for the big boys That's here right. in America. Um, we also get Punch-Out uh, featuring Mr. Dream. Which is secretly too hard. Yeah. I've... <laughs> No, seriously, like that is I I have like a like a thirty something year feud with um you know Mike Tyson or White Tyson. Um, yeah, um, I was gonna say Mr. Dram. Yeah, this is like one of the only like classic Nintendo games I've never beaten. Really? Yeah, I we actually we did a video here at IGN a couple years ago. I wish I could find it. Um, where we all challenged each other to try to beat this game, and Dustin Legary stayed in the office until like two o'clock in the morning to beat Tyson. Yeah, like Tyson is a or you know Mr. Dream, which was a whitewasher, isn't a Tyson after his numerous. Run-ins with the cops <laughs> after um, after it turned out he was just a bad uncle yeah, he's over there. Yeah. Really bad. Um, yeah, this is a really hard game. So I don't know. You can play it with save states now, so that'll be fun. Sure. You can cheap your way through it. Uh, and lastly, we get Star Soldier, which is a uh, top-down shoot 'em up, mm -hmm. uh, sort of a, a pioneer in this in this regard. Yep. Uh, just an eight-bit side scroller, or not side scroller, but vertical shooters. So. I feel like I bought this one on. A virtual console a couple years ago and wasn't crazy about it but never been a shmup guy myself i like really? r-type r-type is probably the only shmup that i was ever really you gotta into. play life force i feel like you'd really dig that you and i've talked about that quite yeah, a bit yeah i think you'd really like i think it. i think we saw it in a store in uh paris yes yeah it's and coming, we, were, we were talking about it's it it's coming to the konami collection oh cool yeah that's awesome um and then lastly i wanted to touch on um mario and sonic at the olympic games tokyo 2020 is coming and uh, this is not really newsworthy because these are a collection of mini games. But what I wanted, what I put in the here for the run of the show is that this is the sixth of these games. That's crazy. And I had no idea. I remember when the original one was released. Right. And this is like even as a big as a Nintendo fan as I am, I, when I saw the announcement for 2020, I was like, oh, that's interesting that they're bringing that back for the Switch. And then like I looked on the Wikipedia page, I was like, oh. They never these never went away. They just keep making these games every four years, and they're all every rated two, around like yeah, and they're all rated around like seven point oh. Like they're actually yeah. like decent. Can I, mini game I, I imagine they so. make crazy. Oh yeah, of I, I didn't look at all of them, but I think the first title sold like two point four million copies. Can I admit something? Yes, I've never played a single second of a single one of these. Games. Me neither. Huh. Yeah, they're, they're I, I remember. Yeah. They're like just little sports mini games. Like they're not they're not anything revolutionary. They're not terrible. They're just sports mini games worth well, Sonic and Mario are in. My my love for Mario is like directly proportionate to my dislove for Sonic. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've all heard the quote. Yeah. Um so all in all, like a relatively slow news week, but I did think that those three stories were worth covering off. Right. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. Okay, great. Uh, that gives we me made anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh god, we think got sixty seconds left you, in the show. You'll have to excuse me. I, I've just discovered the soundboard taking over the host seat here. I'll, I'll, I promise I'll use that sparingly. But uh, yep. I just didn't really have a great transition for this April Fool story. So <laughs> that, that, uh, that scared me. We uh, we did. In case you guys missed it, we did do a pretty hot April Fools' video where we made uh, a phony baloney April Fools' direct, uh, wherein we announced a bunch of great games are coming to the Nintendo Switch and also a bunch of terrible made-up games and yeah. apps like Carfax and Tinder uh -huh. and we're coming to the Nintendo Switch. So I IGN famously does like a really big April Fool's joke every year. We didn't do one last year. Yeah, um, we took last year off yep. just because we were a little a little bit strapped in terms of like bandwidth. Or that was the joke. Yeah. Ooh, April um, Fool's. We didn't make one. Um, and like going back to like the, the Legend of Zelda movie trailer which uh, we partnered with a like small channel before that was even a thing. Like 18 years ago. 
Um, <laughs> we've done so many. Like we did um, Optimus Prime and Titanfall, and mm-hmm. we did a fake Harry Potter TV show. We, we did, did a, like a fake Netflix uh, Star Wars series. Yep. yep. Uh, we did a Back to the Future Fast and Furious crossover parody that like Vin Diesel ended up seeing, and we filmed a reaction video of him watching it. So they're always really fun. Um, I'm I'm sorry for the people that saw this one because uh, we made a fake Nintendo Direct and it was like really be- not to toot our own horns but really believable for like the first minute or so yeah. and then it just veers well in the same way that we were talking about expectation for like Metroid Prime Trilogy and Persona right. and wishful thinking in that regard we started off this fake direct with Ocarina of Time and, yep. and Wind Waker coming to Switch and then progressively got crazier now I purposely chose you two to be on the show this week because, Tom, it was your idea. Yep. You devilish man, you. <laughs> and Brian wrote the script, yeah. and uh, I actually wasn't super involved with it until the very end. I helped with a lot of like the metadata and backend stuff getting it published, but um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the process and what it took to get this video made yeah. and how we went about it. So. I don't, I don't want to like toot our own horns or anything like that. I'm, if you I'm, say toot your own horn one more time, you're going you're, well, like, to fine just, you. you know, <laughs> like play my own trombone over here. I'm not trying to no. foggle my That's own worse. dolphin. No, this is, this is so much worse. This is really not us like victory lapping and gloating, but more the reason I think this is the, in the run of show right now is because um, we made a Nintendo Direct, and now I I really understand how much work goes into those things. Oh, right, yeah. and um, like our our editor who edited this video worked on this for thirty six hours. Dude, Jordan like, killed. Yeah, it. Jordan. The day before it was set to be like we had to put it in the CMS, our, our content management system, on a Friday because it had to publish by like midnight on Monday morning for mm-hmm. April Fools. So Thursday and Friday, Jordan scrapped his whole day and just spent his whole day like finalizing the edit and ended up staying here overnight to finish it and like, right it was a herculean lift on his part and the good thing about uh our jobs also is we that gave him two days off for that so yeah, like don't yeah. come at us for that a- after a weekend too so yeah. we got, it was four full days off. that's right no um we uh w- the reason i bring this up is because uh we are lucky enough here at IGN. We don't work for Nintendo. We don't make directs. Although a lot of people thought Nintendo made this, which is that was probably high, the highest compliment. Yeah, highest that I, yeah. yeah, it was. Um, we uh, we made this video and then we walked away, and we don't have to ever do one again. Nintendo puts out a direct, and people give it six minutes, and they're like, "When's, when's the next one?" You yeah, know. The other so thing, it's like this is like they're, imagine having to do like six of these a year, twelve of these a year, or something like that. And I, ours ours is good, but like if you look at it closely, you see all the the corners that we cut and mm-hmm. all the little things here and there that just aren't quite as polished as Nintendo, who are doing these professionally. And theirs are you know, sometimes six times as long. And then they're also working with 30 different game developers right. to make sure all the assets are perfect right. and things. Like the the amount of work, I, I completely agree, the amount of work that went into this and must go into one of those things is just unbelievable. Yeah, and then there's things like making sure the branding is right and the logo's right. I mean, if you look at that last Nintendo Direct or one of the last Nintendo Directs that had that Assassin's Creed trailer in it and it was like choppy, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was just like, a weird buggy upload because I saw that game at PAX and like it looks legit like it's, yeah. it's running well oh, yeah. awesome. um, so there's hiccups um, there are some easter eggs in this video that I don't think people caught um, yeah. one of them is the uh, the dude who hosts the video the elderly Japanese man who is a, an extra we hired in or a, an actor we hired in LA um, through a casting call is uh, his name rough, Google roughly translates to like spring prank yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's really good uh, so I, I did want to go kind of round robin and talk about what, what our favorite fake announcement was Mm-hmm. And then, like, what our favorite like joke is from it, and so Brian, I'll start with you. You made a bunch of these photoshops yeah. and like came up with a bunch of the ideas so for the fake game. So. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it's really funny because it's like when you 
it, when you write a joke and then you have to build an asset for it, they're two very different things. Like it's so easy for a writer to just be like Wayne Knight's erotic pinball. Yeah. And then you're like, wait, what would that logo look like? And then yeah. your brain has to go, oh, it was it would be like a '90s PC game. The, the or, foam, the shaving cream was a nice touch so in that gross. thumbnail. Yeah. Or like, um, I did this thing called like Grandfather Bath Simulator. Yeah. And then I looked up the <laughs> Microsoft Flight Simulator logo, um, and jacked the bottom of that that said Steam Edition because I think having like a Steam Edition of a bath game is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, stuff like that. Um, the uh, the I, I googled a logo for Anthem, the video game, and only got logos for Anthem, Blue Cross, Blue Shield. So I just jammed them together. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, there's a. I, like I think the one. Star Fox 64 logo has the Carfax. Yes, Fox. Fox yeah, which is that's a walk. But yeah, uh, see, so yeah, it's very, very, very dumb. I, I loved making that. I really yeah. liked Uber in the Crazy Taxi logo. Yeah, that and was then good. The Crazy Taxi guy sh- photoshopped into a Prius or something yeah. like that. <laughs> that was very good. Uh, probably of the photoshops, nothing beats Donkey Kong's divorce cruise. For yeah, me. that one's really funny. I was really happy with I that. I really joke. liked that. Yeah. And then the it sucks. My- you need two copies of that game. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, the thing that really killed me when I was watching early cuts of it was, um, as silly as this is, I really liked the joke where it was like, and I'm not, again, tooting my own horn here because yeah. I didn't have anything to do with these parts. I really liked the bit where it said Fallout 76 and you're like, ha, ha, ha. And then it says Fallout 77. 77 and you're yeah. like, oh, that's funny. And then it cuts away. Uh-huh. And then when it cuts Come. back. It's Fallout 78. Yeah. And so it's just like this really nice like And then timing. Fallout 2016 election. Yeah, there yeah. was Which really we're all playing. That. Right now. Yeah. Fact, yeah. Um, but, but no, yeah. it was, yeah, it was super fun to work on. Uh, the, the, the response was wonderful. I watched pretty much every reaction, reaction video. video. Yeah. It's just like a joy to. Yeah. And it's also the, there was a couple people who were like, like not pissed, but they were like, there were a couple people that were yeah, pissed. Were couple, oh, for yeah, sure, for, for sure. whatever you're saying, yeah, for sure. Um, it, but there were a couple people that are like, hey, like this is like the first minute and a half of this is basically Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker come to Switch. We, I, I want those. Yeah, things. yeah. Not, it's not like. You know, Think Geek makes a bunch of fake products every year, and part of you is like, "Oh, you know, uh, maybe a Tauntaun sleeping bag would make sense." And then yeah. they they make it. Um, this was one of those things where this started off with the stuff that like it you re- you really want, and then it goes away, and you're like, "Wait, but no, but they should have that." Well, yeah. I almost I almost regret how we opened it a little bit. I don't fully, but like I almost regret how we opened it a little bit because there was this. At least in our eyes, we were like, "Oh, no one's no one's going to believe this, right?" Like we just yeah. got to start with easy stuff. To just like like gimmies, just to ease people into like maybe this is real, and un- we like picked things that people wanted so much yeah. Yeah. that they just like completely bought in, and I was like, oh no, I like we went too far, we went too far. Yeah. Uh, either way, I have tremendous respect for Nintendo for the way they make real directs. I have, I will be less persistent about begging for directs, although it makes all of our jobs easier. And Once a month, please. <laughs> That's your takeaway? Yeah. Uh, real quickly before we move off this topic, I will say that my, my favorite joke in the whole thing is uh, the Real Housewives of Orange County and Knuckles. Yep. <laughs> that one's really funny. And then I also, this is a very subtle joke on Tom's part that I really love, but Tom had to do some last minute rewrites because we realized like we didn't have enough info in the uh, the presentation. Yep. And so Tom wrote this description of like, finally the Nintendo 64 classic Ocarina of Time comes to Nintendo Switch and is portable since the first time it was playable on 3DS. 
<laughs> like, that's such an underappreciated yeah. line because it's like, well, yeah, this is the first time it would have been released. Like, it's I, great. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Mark Ryan Salee for just killing it on the VO. Too. Yeah. He, yeah. Was, he did yeah. a really good job. We actually had Destin in there originally. And I was like, people have heard this man's voice for thousands of hours. And he was like, hello, welcome to the. Yeah, Destin has <laughs> such an iconic yeah. voice. Um, it would have been like if, if one of us did it, you'd be like, oh, I know who that is immediately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so before April Fool's, Brian, you were back east at uh, PAX. That's right. Uh, or actually, as we were wrapping up this video, you were, you were in PAX uh, in Boston for PAX. Perfect timing. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you got to play a handful of, of good games coming to the Switch here soon. So I wanted you to go kind of rapid fire on some stuff that you saw yeah, sure. at PAX. And then I also threw in um, uh, Max Termination Force there at the end because I wanted. I know you and Tom have been yep, playing that. Yep, so. Yep. Um, so PAX was really cool. Uh, it's obviously uh, a fantastic show because it showcases like a really big AAA stuff but also lots of great indie stuff and I think it, it, it does a really good job of meshing all those things together um, Nintendo had a pretty significant presence at PAX uh, with a big booth in the center of the show uh, that had this gigantic sort of rotating Yoshi diorama um, that had a bunch of playable games there a bunch of them we've played already uh, they also had some behind closed door stuff that we were privy to um, and they also had this weird side booth and the side booth had um Mortal Kombat 11, uh, Hellblade, and which, Assassin's Creed. Which we just got a date for for Hellblade. Yeah. Really? April 11th. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, mm-hmm. that's very soon. Yeah. Very um, soon. All of those games were playable, but you were not allowed to film them in any way, which immediately set off red flags, right? And we were all like, why? And they're like, oh, well, we have these are earlier builds, and you know we're just not ready to put them out there and stuff like that. Um, so I did get to play Mortal Kombat 11, which, uh, again, I went in going... I have a feeling this is going to be a mess. I know that they had to build a bunch of character models from the ground up to run on that game because they're so high res on the on the, on the HD twins. Wow. Um, and so I was hesitant. Now, bear in mind, I am not like a fighting game expert. I don't know how to like count frames and stuff like that. What I played was fun. It was rock solid. It didn't hiccup. It didn't look ugly. It looked really good. And granted, this is like it's a it's simple, right? It's two characters beating the hell out of each other and like a, some pretty cool looking backgrounds. Um, I found like myself switching between control styles. I couldn't really settle on if I wanted to use the weird not so d-pad d-pad on the switch or the stick um i don't think anybody Were you playing on the pro controller or are you playing on joy con i was playing it only in handheld mode oh yeah they wouldn't let anybody play on tvs it was okay only handheld mode okay. at the show um and i will say that like it's totally fun it's totally awesome it totally works i don't think this will be anybody's like tournament play version mm. but if like you're a casual mortal Kombat guy and you have a switch this is gonna work yeah yeah i'm, ch- I'm thinking similar. about checking it out on yeah. switch uh w- what about the level of violence i assume that there's no scaling back there. I mean, it wasn't still just as gory it as the was, stuff we've seen it everywhere else. It was incredibly else. gory. Yeah. yeah. They're not, was, the sweat's not flying off yeah, of like Super yeah, Nintendo. Is, yeah, it's not, it's yeah. not like the Super Nintendo one. Um, no, it's really fun. It's it's very gory. It's very campy. If you've seen trailers for this game, you'll know that like, you know, Johnny Cage is one of the funniest characters in the game. He, you know, kills you with an, an Oscar. He at one point pulled out like a 12-inch scale action figure of himself and made it do splits. Um, it's weird. It's great. It's campy. It's goofy. It's self-aware. It's having a good time. Cool. Uh, I played Cyber Shadow, which is the uh i said that basically it's this year's the messenger which was last year's shovel knight mm-hmm. um that's a walk uh the reason it's connected to shovel knight is because uh yacht club yacht club's publishing it yeah they're yeah. publishing it and i was talking to sean who uh sean velasco who's been on oh, the show yeah good guy um shout out to him it, they those guys listen all the time uh they were talking about how they are not simply just like dragging and dropping this game onto their you know with with their logo they are like um sort of like 
executive producing it. Cool. Like mm. they're getting in and they're they're having conversations with the the creator. It's basically a, like a one person game um, about level design and checkpointing and making bosses easier or harder and you know adding this and taking away that. And so um, I find that really interesting because they're not really just treating this like we're just a label and we're going to dump your game out there. Uh, they're actually helping the production along, which is really cool. Cyber Shadow is um, very retro Ninja Gaiden-esque side-scrolling platforming game, very action-heavy, uh, super 16-bit it's it's like is it too close to the messenger? That's my only concern. Um, I think that like it it ma- it's it makes it carves its own identity and that it's it's less uh I would say like kind of goofy. Like okay. the messenger had a lot of like very funny writing yeah. and I think this is a this feels a lot more like Ninja Gaiden in a little more serious. It's a little more serious. Um, I'd say it's also a little bit harder from what I played too. Cool. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with two games in 40 years being sort of similar. Yeah, Gaiden, right. <laughs> like, I saw a lot of people on Twitter being like, "Oh, they just ripped off the Messenger," and it was like, "Well, no." Imagine I mean, that those games were probably both in development at the same yeah, time for a very yeah. long time. Exactly, so, yeah. exactly. Um, I played Box Boy and Box Girl. Never really been the biggest fan of those games, um, but I got to play co-op with Damon, and they're actually really fun now. Oh, uh, co-op with Damon is my favorite mobile yeah, game. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Box Boy, if you played it before on on Wii U or D or 3DS or whatever, is uh, you're a box and you extend yourself to create longer versions of yourself to make long sort of Tetris-shaped boxes to traverse areas, collect things, and reach goals. It's a um, metaphor for life, really. I think so. Yeah, I had a lot of questions like It's about the boxes we make within ourselves. <laughs> you know? So uh, this list lets you play as uh, the boy and the girl. I think her name is QC and QB or something like that. Um, doesn't matter. It's really not <laughs> But <laughs> um, they interact Tell with each other. Tell me more about this box boy lore, please. Yeah. Uh, so to me, this felt like something um, sort of like snipper clips, but as a side-scrolling game, uh, in that you're yelling almost borderline sexual innuendo at each other to nice. traverse environments and puzzles and grab items and get to the goal. Uh, it's really, really fun. It's a good time. I'm looking um, forward to this one. Yeah, it's it's you know it's a slower-paced platforming game than something like Mario, obviously, but it's yeah. also very puzzly. So I Pear, enjoy it. Pear and Jose were always uh, big box boy advocates, yeah. and uh, I've never really gotten into the series either. So I'm glad that it's coming to Switch, so I can give it a shot. I played a small game called Little Friends, Dogs and Cats, oh, which yeah. is shamelessly unabashedly Nintendogs. It's like, guys, it's like not even, it's not even, it's not even like pretending it's any, it's anything else. Like if you had hit me with like a small hammer (laughs) in the head and you were like, Nintendogs is back. And I started this game and be like, well, here it is. Where's the Mario hat? And it'd be like, it's not in this game. And I'd be like, oh, that, that's weird. This, the game starts with uh, like a backyard shot where in first person you pick a dog or a cat uh, the main difference is instead of three versions like Nintendo always does all the animals will be in one box <laughs> it's a weird sentence and uh, so I picked a dog and he's really cool he's great you get to pet him You it's all it's it's this it's Nintendogs you right. use a touch screen you rub your hand on his head it's got the hand silhouette you go into an apartment you can collect money you can wash him you can feed him you can make from your from the dog? yeah you just get money just yeah for, your dog doesn't pay rent yeah <laughs> I had like I had like ten thousand dollars. It was like me and a dog, an empty room at ten thousand dollars, and I'm like, this is like a weird guy Richie movie. I need to get a dog, man. 
Yeah, exactly. Apparently so the, they're money makers. The demo didn't let us walk the dog, but it did let us feed him, which is really dystopian because it just meant he was probably pooping inside. Ah. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Seth Macy was there too. He he picked the dog and Damon Hadfield was there and he picked the cat. So um, everyone enjoyed it. It's just Nintendogs. I don't know why Nintendo doesn't just make Nintendogs, but until then, I mean, this good for these guys for seeing a, yeah. a void there and being like, yeah, we can do that. Dude, also, yeah, it's not the first time Nintendo's done something like this recently, especially Wargroove came true. out and Nintendo was just like, sure, sure. we're just going to love this yeah. instead mm-hmm. of like, calling it out or now big question here from our audience i'm sure can you play as a good shiba inu boy i believe you can yes yes Yes, it's always been my lifelong dream to be a shiba owner and i'm gonna name him helicopter jones that is a great name thank you um now you guys have both been playing Mech Extermination Force, so quickly mm-hmm. if you could tell us about this little this little robot game. Uh, sure. So Mech Extermination Force uh, comes out very soon on Nintendo Switch. Uh, this was not a PAX, but it's something we're both enjoying right now. Um, and it is the new game from the person who made Gunman Clive, which is a sort of like hand-drawn cowboy Mega Man that came to 3DS and Wii U, and the collection just dropped on Switch for like $3.99 or $2.99 for both games. It's super cheap. Uh, and so the elevator pitch for that game was that you you know run from left to right in levels, you get guns, and you shoot bad guys, and you win. Um, this is a brand new game. First of all, this uh, is full color. It is not like sort of paper, uh, sort of sepia-toned. Um, and it plays sort of like Contra, but um, the pit, the pitch is that you, every stage is just one gigantic mech fight. And these mech fights are like kind of goofy and over the top, but they're also sort of climbable and they have multiple phases and it makes for a really interesting you, sort of scenario. You described it to me as Contra Shadow of the Colossus, yeah. which I think is a very apt description in that it's, or, or even similar, it's even similar to Cuphead, right? In that it's just these boss rush fights, you upgrade yourself in between the fights, they're... And something I appreciate about it, it's obviously not as hard as Cuphead, but mm-hmm. it's not like you're not just gonna like blow through these fights on your first yeah. try. I actually like I I there was I, I played a bunch of my flight back from PAX and there was a bunch of bosses that just whooped my ass. But the cool yeah, thing hard. about it is like you can kind of grind on bosses that you're good at and get money and pop into a shop, buy extra heart containers, buy extra uh, buy new weapons. Like I unlocked this like laser gun that just basically ricochets everywhere and it makes it easy to or easier to take down bosses. And you sort of have to chip away at them because every boss has this kind of exoskeleton of parts that you can destroy that makes it easier to get to, you know, these kind of like circular orbs that you hit with a baseball bat to explode. <laughs> it's so strange. Yeah. They're and little so, platforming shooter puzzles, yep. which I really like. Uh, the, the one thing that drove me crazy is the physics jumping. I was mentioning that to you. Yep. But overall, it is like actually a really cool, challenging game that if you're into that sort of like just hard as hell boss fights. Mm-hmm. You would do uh, like you additionally you grab you learn like a climb move that lets you grab onto things, and so that that gets very like contra three. Yeah, um, you know when you're the climb is missiles. cool and it's cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, please check this out. Uh, Mech Extermination Force is the name of the game, and it's out very soon on Switch. Excellent. Uh, well, because today, this week was a lighter week, we've decided to go heavy on uh, one of my favorite games of all time. Great game. Question block, my friends. I think Pear would say that's not a game. Thank you for filling that those we shoes. Put, we should have put Thank question you. block in our fake direct. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, okay, a nod. Let's go round robin on these. I'll, I'll go ahead and start. But uh, first question comes from Jason Whittle in the uh, Nintendo Voice Chat Facebook forums. Um, what Nintendo handheld or home console has the best games catalog? I wanted to start us off with kind of a heavy hitter. I think this is sort of a tough one, but uh, I personally. My choice would be the SNES, I think, just mm. nostalgia-wise, and also that catalog is 
just so insane with the number of games, like high quality games and from first party and third party developers that I, I think still to this day, SNES is my favorite. This is such a tough one for me because um, are you not counting like a, the virtual console backwards compatibility because I would like I mean the Wii U has you know um, you know tons or 3ds the Wii have tons of SNES games right I think for for the sake of argument let's just say that the, these are original games on each console got it okay mm, oh okay that's that re- that changes man. my answer then that's really good because for a long time my answer to that question was just snap the 2ds because yeah. for the the 2ds for $80, you can get the entire catalog of the DS and 3DS. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just like such amazing games on such a cheap system. Mm-hmm. A, a, a bunch of us were tagged game. in a Twitter thread the other day about like all the Zeldas that are playable right. on Wii U. Yeah. And I pointed out that there's like a ton playable on 3DS that uh, aside from like Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword and Wind Waker, some of the big um, console ones. But like, you know, it's got Majora's Mask, Ocarina of Time in, you know, the their remade versions. Every handheld game, lots of the classic console ones. Um, but yeah, if we're not counting any of that, man, that's really tough. My, I, I'm leaning towards 3DS, mm-hmm. but no, man, I, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't S- know if I can. SNES this. is a safe bet. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oof. I don't know. Okay, I genuinely don't. If you're if you're not counting backwards compatibility, I might either go SNES or 3DS. I think. Yeah. Do Do we count Mario All Stars on Super NES? I think sure. Yeah, that counts. Then that I, counts. Yeah, then that I don't know, man. Then that's yeah. Then I think it might that's be SNES. Because yeah. the thing about yeah. the SNES is it's in this magical place where like it is still like a lot of those games just one hundred percent hold up. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like NES is like you're getting a little dated, and because the N sixty four was sort of figuring out. Oh, we've talked about that so much on the show. How like sixteen bit improved everything that the eight bit did, but then thirty two or sixty four bit generation was still learning so much yeah. that it's like. The, the SNES games and of that era have aged so well, where those other games on either end have been aged like pretty poorly because there's still so much learning happening. Like you could but, release Link to the Past today, and it would just oh, be yeah. a good game. I think that's what Best Buy is trying to do. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, um, good point. No, the uh, the Super Nintendo is is phenomenal. Also, because it got tremendous third party support, which you can't really say for the GameCube or the SNES mm. or the Wii U. The you know the Wii the Wii did. But also, I don't think that systems age very well because of a motion controls and b it's a standard definition, yeah, like three D, you know, three D console, and yeah. so like a lot of I don't I I think like games like Twilight Princess were ugly on day one. Mm. It's a great mm. game, yeah. It's just you know, it's just not. It wasn't great looking. Um, yeah, it wasn't. I don't. I agree. I don't think it was like really great looking until the HD version on Wii U. Uh, Tyler Core says I'm traveling from Australia to attend E3 this year. My question is though, do you guys enjoy fans coming up to you and saying hi, or is E3 not the place for that? Um, well, we. I actually I always enjoy it. I think like if you see if you see me like literally talking on camera to a camera then that's probably not a great time yeah but um or for like interviewing a dev and you crash through the wall and you're like hey big fan um <laughs> then that's tough i mean you, you know know the boundaries of stuff like that but also like if you see us come say hi my like i it's my, my pet peeve is when i am at one of these shows and someone sees me and doesn't say anything and then they tweet at me afterwards and they're like i saw you I just saw you yeah and i was like well say hi like yeah. i might never be in Oslo, Norway again. Right. You know, something like, like I had something that happened in Bangor, Maine, like two weeks ago. And I'm like, hey, dude, I'm not going to be back here for yeah. maybe ever. Yeah. So, you know, say hi. Come say hi. Yeah. I, somebody, somebody, I can't remember your name. I'm super sorry about this, but somebody came up and said hi to me and took a picture at a GDC and it was mm-hmm. lovely. It was yeah. great. Uh, 
the, the, I agree. I absolutely love when people come say hi. Yep. I highly encourage you to do it. Just don't be offended if I have to run away, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's it's just there's it, we're in such time crunches with that sort of stuff that yeah. like it, it's not you 100%. We love saying hi to you. It's just we might only be able to say hi and then go. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the casualties of, of E3 becoming more uh, like public facing is that like it's awesome for people that get to come and experience it with the exception of the fact that you'll probably wait in line all day to play one game. But um industry folks, you know, like we're so strapped for time and we're doing a hundred things at one time. Like, yep. uh, but I, with that said, like some of my favorite memories from the last couple of years are when people have stopped like you and I and been like, Oh, I re- like Brian and I, like, oh, I love link together. Like, is that yeah, coming back? And like, can we take a photo? And like, it's super cool. I so. bet so many NVC fans at PAX and it like really warmed my I'm, heart. I'm a little bummed this year because we, we won't have a booth. Right, uh, right, which right. means that I I probably won't make it to the show floor that often because yeah. I'll be tied to the live show stage. So, mm-hmm. yeah. mm. um, okay, Tom, you want to take this next one? Yeah. So Logan Plant asks, uh, was there ever a time in your career that you struggled to get where you are now? If so, how did you overcome it? I've been pursuing games journalism for a few years now, and I find myself really hitting a wall. I'm trying to find motivation to get back at it. Uh, yeah, I'm probably the worst person to ask about this, to be perfectly frank, because, like, I sort of snuck my way into mm-hmm. this industry through an internship that they, like, had to hire me or else they would lose me, and so I just, like, got in. It was yeah. it was very weirdly, like, it, I don't know. I, I'm, I've I'm been very, very lucky, um, yeah. so I I defer. You wash your hands of it. Right, yeah. Yeah. right, yeah. Uh, when I first started freelancing, I was doing a lot of, like, corporate work. I was doing a lot of, like, talking heads or, or BTS pieces for, for things, and... Um, I first started working as a freelancer for game trailers and, uh, unfortunately and fortunately, I mean, this industry is really about who, you know, and making connections and really putting yourself out there, I feel like. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I just happened to be working at game trailers and like working freelance for them opened up some doors to do stuff for like Sony and Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And then I started to get to know more people that were in the industry and people started recognizing me as like, Oh yeah, yeah we saw you shooting for, you know, so-and-so. And so eventually I worked my way into a, a position where I was shooting fr- freelancing for IGN and that's how I got my foot in the door here. Right. Um, so I guess like the, my advice for, for that kind of thing is just don't give up, just be tenacious. Like if it feels like, Oh, maybe I'm going out on a limb, you know, reaching out to somebody like go out on a limb. The worst they can say is, is nothing, you know? Yeah, no, that's great advice. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've been working in the industry basically since like 2007. Mm-hmm. That's like when I kind of started my own website and was like, I'm going to do this every single day. Um, and I think like to avoid burnout is basically the best way to do that is to come up with new angles constantly, like find weird warped perspectives on things that you think need a fresh coat of paint. Um, one of the things that inspired me to begin with was going, I went to a, like a preview event in like 2007 or 2008 or got one of those like invites uh, to play a game early. And I noticed that like 12 different outlets were there and every single one of them wrote basically boilerplate versions of the same press release that they handed us there. And I was like, there's gotta be a better way. Mm. And so we went in with sort of like a comedy angle, which is like, you know, finding a a different perspective on it. And I think that that's what sets you apart. um, And that's what will get you noticed. And that's what keeps things fresh is challenging your brain to just do something other than just like video game preview, video game review, video game news, like write features, come up with like new, new, yeah, new perspectives. That was, that was going to be my advice as well, or the secondary to what I said earlier, but consider, you know, don't be married to the idea of like, oh, I'm just like a hardcore news writer. Right. Or I only want to write like retrospective pieces. You know, like a a lot of people start here through our wikis team 
and come up through the ranks. Like they freelance on wikis and, and write guides for us and things like that, which is like a great entry level position. And then they are willing to say like, or able to say like, Hey, I'd also like to pitch you on like a feature. Or I'd like mm-hmm. to do like this video or something. And like, that's a great way to you know get it rolling as well. So well, don't, yeah. don't necessarily like paint yourself into a quarter. And like, I'm only going to do this one thing. I met a woman at PAX who was basically like, Hey, I've been doing a lot of video game journalism stuff, but I'm also really into, I write about like cooking. Um, and food, and I'm like, that's phenomenal. Like, yeah, do a. I love food. Yeah, do it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Do a do a book report every now and then. Like, mm. write a movie review. Like, do something that gets you out of video games. Because I think the thing is, people, so many people in the video game industry only consume video games, and there's so much more out there, and it, it will show your flexibility uh, and also keep you out of your you know comfort zone if you challenge yourself with some other shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Carlos Valero writes in and asks. So how about those Avengers Endgame tickets? Yeah. Did you guys you guys get your tickets to Endgame? I, we did. I didn't. You did not. But mm. I saw that they're selling them on eBay for like the cheap price of $5,000. Yeah. Opening so. night tickets for five grand. Yeah. So, oh, I'll, so just, I'll just pick that up. I guess I didn't get my tickets. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, no, I, I ended up getting like three or four like very early in the morning. I happened to be up and then I got into work and a coworker was like, hey, we got like 30 anyway. Yeah. So if anybody needs them. So yeah, IGN, we, we kind of have each other's backs in situations like that. So yeah, we have a squad that, that uh, they were working out of a, uh, like a specific like bespoke spreadsheet where they're like, okay, we're buying tickets here and here. And like, they got, they ended like up a, getting like 35 tickets. So. They got on a conference call at four fifty yeah. on like <laughs> yeah. t- on a Tuesday morning. Yeah. To, and I was to, trying to explain yeah. this to a friend of mine and they, they were like, God, why would they do that? And it's like, well, we've seen every Marvel movie f- for the last five years together. Yeah. Like, you know, this is like the culmination of those films that only makes sense that they would, you know, we're also, we're in such a, can weird... you believe it? The last Marvel movie ever. I know it's so yeah. strange. Pretty wild. Yeah. They said they got enough money and they're done. Yeah. No, um, the, the thing is with us, we're in such a weird specific edge case in that all of us are so deeply entrenched in all this stuff every single day. And we're also like, we, there are, spoilers flying around like shrapnel when we come into work we get on a morning meeting where people are like hey so uh you know um we're gonna explain the the ending uh in this video today and then somebody you go uh in the back end or our our content management system and you'll see spoilery stuff uh that's basically just like a headline of like oh here's what we thought about batman showing up at the end of endgame so all this crap so we we end up being privy to all this stuff so uh we are not urged, but it is in our best interest to see these movies as fast as possible. I'm seeing it at Thursday on Thursday at 6 p.m. Yeah, I'm going like at seven, le- legitimately right after work. So. Well, I'm I w- I'm going at seven because I s- it's a three and a half hour. Yeah, ex- <laughs> and you can't stay up past 10:30 yeah, these days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw some people were going at like 11:50, and I was like, yeah. "You're gonna get that movie like three o'clock in the morning." Yeah, He's yelling on the street about <laughs> yeah. Vision or whatever. Uh, you want to <laughs> take this question from Chris Davies? Brian? Yes. Sorry, I wasn't. I wasn't ready for that. There we are. Uh, would you recommend I purchase a DS now? I'm not. I've not previously owned and or owned one. And even though the system is becoming obsolete, I'm debating whether to catch up on some of the games I've missed. Um, I think Tom's advice was great earlier. Two DS. Get, get 2DS. the two DS because it yeah. will play all of your. It'll play every three DS game and every DS game. Get the stupid one that doesn't fold. It's eighty dollars. It's probably cheaper now. Those are actually like regularly like I've seen them drop to like sixty with a game like built into it's it. It's the price of a game it's plus insane. a game for yeah. every three DS and two DS or normal DS game. That's nuts. I will yeah. say nuts. though, uh, watching that market, like this is a fantastic time to jump on a bunch of DS games mm-hmm. because I think we're a few years away from it, like sort of boomeranging those getting very rare and expensive. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But right now, people they're just sort of out of out of thought mm-hmm. and out of out of out of sight for people to go like, oh, I don't I don't really need that. But I, so the other thing I'll say to this is, don't ever worry about systems becoming obsolete if you're excited to play the things that are already on them, mm-hmm. because. You can buy – if you haven't played those games, probably a lot of them are still good games. Like yeah. some stuff is going to age out and that's something to be aware of. But like it, it doesn't matter if it's obsolete if there's so many things already there that you're interested in playing and haven't. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the 3DS, 2DS plus the the, the uh, eShop on that system makes for such an insane catalog of oh games. God, I think yeah. anybody that's even considering a, a DS in this generation in this day and age should should do it because like you have an infinite amount of awesome games that if you've never experienced them they're right there at your fingertips. Yeah, and so. the 2DS like pretty much future proof too if you want to play 3DS games for the next 10 years. I mean that is like that is an ins- I can't even imagine coming into that library for the first time in 2019 to like get a 2DS for the very first time and just go, "Hey, you have uh infinite access to every 3DS and DS game ever made." Go. Yeah. Like I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, there there's it's like so much. It's there's like so much. There's everything from like Mario 64 to like Chrono Trigger to uh God, so many Final Fantasies. There's like multiple Animal Crossing games, mm-hmm. really WarioWare's. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, this it, the 3DS is like an excellent system. Yeah. It, it, man, yeah. And you don't need the 3D. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm actually I'm legit envious of you. This there are a lot of these games I would love to play again for the first time. <laughs> uh Tom, you want to take this next one? I get this one. Yeah. Oh man. Uh Corey Vanden Hoogen Band. What a name. Really good name. Really good question to follow it up. Also, too. yeah. Which Mario brother is the best kisser? You can include Waluigi and Wario if you so wish. Do they are chosen family? Do you guys want to know something insane? I, uh, uh, yeah, Brian's kissed all the Mario brothers. I have, yeah, <laughs> and the sisters. Um, no, the uh, we had um, we had we had Suda Fifty One here recently, and we we were piloting this like interview thing with him. We asked him twenty one stupid questions, and the first question I asked him was, "Who is a better kisser, Mario or Luigi?" And not to spoil our video, really? but he said Luigi. Um, really, so I was like, "That's a weird question." Who See, would ask? That? I think and I was like oh, I would. I think Luigi is. I think Luigi. <laughs> would be too timid and would be like a bad kisser. Yeah. Oh, really? And I think Mar- Wario and Waluigi would be just the opposite. They'd just be like too much tongue and yeah. like too aggressive and they're probably like grabbing your boobs. Wario would yeah. be biting and stuff. Yeah. I, I think this question entirely revolves <laughs> around horrible. who you are in the relationship, right? If yeah. you're like the dominant member, if you wear the pants in the relationship to use a dated phrase, you're going to want to go with Luigi. They all wear pants. They're right, overalls. <laughs> they're, they're like bonus pants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're huge, long pants. <laughs> They're also not great. Zach and I both dressed. Uh, you dressed as Waluigi, and I was Mario for Halloween. Overalls suck, dude. Yeah, the, if you've ever never had a wedgie before, yeah. and you put on a pair of overalls, you will know what a wedgie is, How and it you, will be awful. When you, have, when you have to pee and you have to like take all these things off of yourself, and then like it's. Yeah. And they also, for some reason, and I know you and I both talked about this, but when we unpackaged them because we both got them shipped from Amazon, they stunk. Yeah, they really... smelled like vomit. <laughs> It was so weird. Anyway, long story short, I think Mario's probably the yeah. best kiss. And I think the reason all those characters run so much is because their clothes smell like vomit and they're holding in poop. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay, now we're moving over to Twitter. You can follow us uh, at NVC Podcast. I think that's the right Twitter handle. Yeah. Uh, uh, Geeky Tom, at Geeky Tom asks. That's me. Have you, ever, <laughs> have you ever passed on a purchasing a Nintendo item and later regretted it? If so, what was it? Um, mine, this actually, this question... I automatically saw exactly what it was, and mine was the um, uh, GBA adapter for GameCube. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, because, like, I loved GameCube so much. I love GBA. GBA has an awesome... The, the, Game, Boy, like, the Game Boy player? Yeah. yeah like, yeah, yeah. GBA has such an awesome library, and it would have been so much fun to play 
those games on a like a TV and like so, if I still had it today, but I, I totally passed on it and they were really hard to come by after a while. So you know what's crazy about that? Um, the aftermarket on that is super weird because the actual physical thing itself is not that expensive. What's really expensive is the, the boot disc. disc. Yeah. yeah, there's like a there's a GameCube mini disc that just has a Game Boy Advance logo on it and says Game Boy Player, and you need that to boot the system into GBA mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I've told the story before about playing Warrior, Warrior Twisted, Twisted. Thing, by the yeah. way. So you're just like ho- straight up holding a, a <laughs> it's it's rickety. Um, but yeah, that's the, it, I I don't know if if somebody figured out how to make like, bootleg discs for that thing, you could potentially get it pretty cheap. But that's a really good one. Yeah. Is there any Nintendo stuff that you guys have missed that you wish that you had bought? They put the trailer for Twilight Princess on a Nintendo DS cart, and mm. it was a promotional item at E3 one year. And uh, at one point, Mark Ryan, who works here uh, and did the VO for our Nintendo Direct, had an extra one and was just like, does anybody want this? And I was like, eh, I don't really need that. And I think Andrew Goldfarb was like, I'll take it. That thing goes for like hundreds of dollars now. It's also one of the coolest collectibles ever because it is a it is a Nintendo Wii video game trailer on a DS cart. Right. And there's nothing playable on the cart. You bo- just boot the thing and watch. Just watch it. You can just watch it on YouTube, but it's just like the idea of it is so fascinating yeah, to me. Yeah, well, so. you know, blades will bleed. Yeah. Tom? <laughs> uh, the only thing I'm coming up with is internet for my GameCube. I played all of Fantasy Star Online not knowing it was an MMO. <laughs> I didn't know that game was an MMO. What? I didn't Come on, know. Tom. I was young. I had literally no clue. It's right the there only, in the title. The only time I understood that Fantasy Star Online was an MMO was when I tried to sell it back to GameStop, and they were like, sorry, this is an online game. You can't return it. What and did I was you like, think what the you online stood for? I just thought it was like like, like a cool Sword like, Art Online isn't online. Or like you know? Mega okay, Man Battle Network isn't an yeah, actual exactly. Like, I just, I just thought it was a JRPG <laughs> name. So I played the entirety of that game having absolutely no clue it was an MMO. Holy and crap. then I found out when I tried to return it, and then I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I should have yeah. had online for that game. That's pretty wow. good. Wow. Yeah. Um, Sorry we both dropped S-bombs in the show, by the way. <laughs> hey, guess what? I'm not going to edit them out. Uh, Brian, uh, you want you want to take this next one? Sure. This is from Et the Matt Asabito. Uh, who's your favorite character from the entire Mario franchise, absolutely including the RPGs? Mallow. Boom. Gut. Didn't even have to look. Nice. Mallow's really good. I love Mallow. Um, yeah. I mean, I love Mario. Yeah. It's, it's such a stupid easy Well, he one. says side character. You did miss that. Who's your favorite oh, side character? Oh, yeah. side character. Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> um... Man, yeah, I don't know. These are these are this is really tough. One. I can go off. Egad's yeah. really good. Cabella like from the Paper Mario series is really good. Uh, a lot of the Paper Mario characters, I think, are all like all your side people are mm-hmm. so I, great. Yeah, I really love Fawful. Yeah, I like Fawful a lot. Fawful? He's the villain from um, uh, Mario and Luigi uh, All Star or Superstar Saga. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, and I love Captain Toad. I yeah, think Captain, Captain Toad is great. like the fu- the. He's the best. I almost did. Yeah. I almost did you guys one better just then. Um, Lakitu's are always been really cool to me. Like he started off as like a villain, and then he sort of helps get your Mario Kart out of the muck. But then <laughs> I remember playing Mario sixty four for the first time and seeing the camera spin around and finding out that game had a cameraman who was. Do you know what's insane is that we have pl- we've been playing three D games for decades. And we never see the cameraman. And that was one of the first ones we ever played. And it pans out and Lakitu is filming Mario 64. Like, I just love that. He's a cool character. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, okay. Tom, you want to take this next one? Yeah. Uh, at Gerwitter? Gerwitter? 
uh, what Nintendo game have you gone back and replayed the most and says themselves, Link's Awakening? That's up there for me. Um, probably Super Mario Brothers. Mm. Like that's the, I mean, that's the one I think I've like, I've, I've played World 1-1. I, I can't even remember how many times I like, dun, 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 mm. and you just, and you hit that jump over the first Goomba. I, that is probably, probably a thousand times. Yeah. Oh God. Like, I, I, I think my most played is either Super Mario World um, or Wind Waker. I've mm-hmm. played through the Wind Waker probably a dozen times. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Kirby Superstar for me. Nice. Oh, yeah. Great Cave Offensive. I've probably beaten that a dozen times. Yeah. And just any of the Dynablade. I cannot count how many times I have beaten the Dynablade campaign of that game. <laughs> there, are, there are like, a, when, and you, just you saying Wind Waker, I realize that with like games like Wind Waker and Resident Evil 4 and Link's Awakening, if I see a screenshot of them, mm-hmm. I immediately want to start playing it again. And yeah. I've, had, I've had that recently. You, you're playing Breath of the Wild again, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've had that recently too where I, I saw somebody, uh, I think it I forget who it was. Somebody on Twitter like looped the the intro shot of Link running off up up to the mm-hmm. cliff, and I was like, I gotta play this game again. Yeah, you know. I think that might have been like Klepek or something. Like I mm. think he tweeted out, you know, what what game has a better intro than this? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, okay, Kenneth Samrang asks about the percentage of playtime on Switch in portable mode versus docked, and he says he's about eighty percent portable and twenty percent docked. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you want better? I think I'm like 90-10. I play, I play my Switch docked way, way more than I play it portable. Oh, really? Yeah, and I, it's funny because I take my Switch with me everywhere. Right. But the actual act of like taking it out and getting into a game, like I especially, you know, with games like um, Breath of the Wild or, or I was also I've been playing a little bit of Dark Souls on my Switch, like those are games that I don't want to sit down and play for 10 minutes. I want to play for an hour and a half, two mm-hmm. hours. So like for me... I if I'm going to play for that long, I prefer to play it on my TV, kick back, you know. And so, I would say that I, I the majority of my playtime on Switch has been docked. Yeah. Um, well, you're. I mean, you're like traveling a little less than you, you used to travel a lot. Yeah. And so yeah. The probably, last year and a half or so, I've been mostly grounded. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've been traveling a little more, and so for me, it's definitely been uh, in handheld mode. And it's also like you know, uh, my my wife and I had a baby last year, and that made it much. First, easier. I've heard about it. Yeah, much easier to play video games um, when you sort of have like a, a little one nestled in your arms, and you're you're holding a switch in handheld mode. Um, it also lets you sort of curl around upside down and get comfortable on the couch, uh, and then you wake up. <laughs> weird hours and stuff um i would say these days it's probably like 70 handheld mode 30 docked Mm -hmm. but i have three i have three docks hooked up (laughs) in my apartment someone's earning yeah (laughs) it's a lot of boats gm money no uh i have like a like a 65 inch flat screen tv i have a like a monitor connected that i do my 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 music production on that i have a dock there and then i have another tv in the bedroom with a dock in there Mm. so yeah, but I'm still seventy thirty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'd say it's interesting for me. It depends on the games I'm playing. If I'm playing a game like Odyssey or Breath of the Wild, I'm almost entirely playing that on docked. Mm-hmm. But just normal use, if there is not like a big thing I'm actively playing, probably ninety five percent of the time I'm playing handheld. Wow, and that's, that's crazy. Mostly because I'm. A, I share a TV with my girlfriend who watches stuff and plays stuff, and so when mm-hmm. I get home, she's usually using that. And I could ask to use it, and I do sometimes, but mostly I'm playing on my train commute to yeah. from the office. So Yeah, Tom, do you know that Tom takes a, a train six hours to get here every day? <laughs> Is that true? Six hours here wow. and back. It's yeah. like a percentage of that number. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, I, I, do play, I do play probably about 
two hours of Switch every day just on on my commute. And, yeah. And yeah, so I just don't, I play a ton of Switch, and I, I I tend to gravitate towards games that will be good in handheld mode as a result. I think that's why we like having you on the show, Tom. Uh, these letters or these questions came to the NVC at IGN.com alias. You can email us there at NVC at IGN.com. And before you get into this question. We're not getting a lot of questions at NVC at IGN.com these days. Mm-hmm. And we probably get on average like four or five a week. Yeah. Um, Fix that. Hit us with these questions. Yeah. Get like, it. go ahead. Like, even if we don't ask them on the show, more often than not, one of us will respond with our opinion or, or you know, it's true. like, we've even started threads in the NVC in, uh, inbox just because, like, we like to answer those questions. We like to talk about Nintendo. So, like, mm-hmm. please feel free to hit us up at NVC at IGN.com. We also, like, we get so many bad emails, like, as a company or, like, emails <laughs> that are just like, uh. So, to get one that's just sort of like who has the best mustache is yeah. it like oh we all jump on that um so uh this is from last he says hello last from norway here big fan of your podcast i listen to your podcast when i walk home clean the apartment etc here is my question i'm a huge ace attorney fan and love the series for the nintendo switch the original trilogy will be released soon does the trilogy need to sell particularly well for nintendo to make more games for the series huh well, Nintendo doesn't make... That's a Capcom game. Yeah, that's game. Capcom. Um, and I imagine this is a pretty simple effort for them, right? Mm-hmm. This is essentially just ports of old games. Well, the really interesting thing is that the trilogy is coming not just to Switch, but to PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Mm-hmm. So we're getting the Ace Attorney games on PC, which is, like, very weird. That is weird. It's very strange. Objection! <laughs> but I think, hopefully, that is a sign of, like, if it makes a bunch of money everywhere, maybe uh, yeah. there's still interest in that stuff. The mm-hmm. The Phoenix Wright series is such a, a singular and unique series and Capcom, you know, Capcom likes to test the waters to to their betterment and to their detriment, right? Like, I think one of the things that they said about, uh, um, oh, God, Dragon's Dogma was they wanted to gauge how well Dragon's Dogma would sell before they would consider bringing something like Devil May Cry to the Switch, right? right? And I feel like this is just another one of those kinds of things. And we see it's not just Capcom. I don't mean to paint them in like a particular light, but we see a lot of these companies testing the waters where it's like, well, we'll bring this and see how it does. And if there's a, a marked interest, then maybe we can talk about you know, bringing more games of a similar ilk or going back to the drawing board and seeing like, okay, let's take a look at like Professor Layton or Phoenix Wright sequels for the Nintendo Switch and see yeah. what, you know. Or and Professor Layton Phoenix Wright sequels. And sometimes it's a weird one. Tom's with, onto something yeah, here. Like when EA was like, hey, we're going to test the waters on Switch with FIFA. And we were like, that's a tremendously popular video game that a lot of us don't really that's not what we want from you like <laughs> you guys make a lot of games how about one, one of these and they're like nah well, but yeah like why not the sims or star wars yeah, my dude star like, wars yeah. yeah you guys got that put put i don't know put battlefront one and two on there figure it out i love star, star wars, wars. Just, star wars has never been on nintendo system uh excuse me super i just got a copy of super star wars for my snes uh recently did Thank you really much. so i was actually hoping you'd bring that <laughs> yeah so uh really funny i got a phone call from a really really close friend of mine we grew up together she she called me and she was like hey my parents are moving and i found a like a box of old snes stuff oh man like, i have a bunch of games and a system do you want it and like Knowing Stacy, I was like, yeah, sure, like whatever. I was like, gonna get Arrow the Acrobat and like Pool Spot and you know like all these like bummer games. She shows up at my house on Sunday and was like, here you go, like here's the the games. 
every one of the games. It's like a greatest hits collection. Oh my god, really? it's amazing! Super Mario World, Super Mario All Stars, Link to the Past, Super Metroid, uh, Yoshi's Island, Super Street Fighter Two, like all these amazing games. She probably brought me twenty games. An all-in, like, there are a couple that are missing pilot wings. Um, what are some of the other ones? Like, I tweeted about it, and, like, so many people were like, damn, that's a jackpot. Yeah. But, yeah, it was it was wild. Like, I opened the bag and legitimately laughed like a maniac, and I told her, I was like, are you sure you want to give these to me? This is, like, a collection of the greatest Super Nintendo games yeah, of all time. Yeah, awesome. And she was like, it's fine. And so now I'm, this is a stupid thing to say aloud, but... I'm uh, legitimately considering buying a, a super uh, analog NT. Oh because, yeah, you totally should. Well, I, I mean, a lot of those games are on the SNES Classic, which I have hooked up to my TV right now. But also, it's like, <laughs> but what if I played the original version? Right. Like, right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think you should. I mean, like when it comes to retro collecting like that, that you, you well, my concern the part is the games. My concern is if I buy the the super NT, that I'll be that I'll be thinking about Mega Man X3 in the back of my head and I'll be thinking about Chrono Trigger and uh, then suddenly a you know like a great collection that I got for free I'm $500 deep into and then yeah, and then once you once you start collecting slope. stuff like that yeah. yeah it's like well I could also get these rare games like yep. yeah uh, that said though I think we will see more Ace Attorney on Switch uh, to me that series has always been like it's like a TV show I watched the first season of enjoyed but bailed on to has gone on for 16 seasons I'm so I'm like, excited for the Ace Attorney collection because like I love those games and I I think they're extremely replayable and yeah. they're so funny and well written I think it's really cool that this collection is coming to Switch yeah I stopped messing with them but I'm glad they keep going I might dabble with the collection because it's cool in the meantime Capcom's obviously bringing they brought the Mega Man collections they're bringing all you know a bunch of Resident Evils so they yeah. are supposed Supporting the system. Um, there was another question that I was considering putting in this list uh, today about the uh, uh, afternoon co- Disney afternoon collection. Oh yeah, where the hell which is was like, that? yeah. The question was, do you think that they'll, they'll Capcom will ever bring the Disney afternoon collection? And it's like, I can't believe that's not a, when that launched. We were like, why isn't this on the Switch? Because those are NES games. I know it's yeah. such an easy win. I feel like you they could make a million dollars in an afternoon just. I mean, but when it came out, it was. It was at that period where the Switch was not as ubiquitous as it is now. It, that came out at the time where, like, probably it would have needed to be in development a while earlier. Right. It, maybe it so. It was going to hit launch then, and now maybe they just didn't but it's such about a, It's such back. a beautiful little collection. You know, Frank, Frank Sfaldi and his team did such a good job oh, yeah, of rules. scrubbing that stuff up. And then mm-hmm. Nino Matsumoto did a bunch of, like, original art for it. Like, it's a really, really cool, like, game preservation piece. It's really awesome. The counter-argument to that is, like, DuckTales is an amazing platformer, like one of the best platformers on yep. the NES. Yep. Chippendale's Rescue Rangers is like fine. All the rest of those games is <laughs> yeah. like, are like okay at best. You know what I mean? They're not Rescue a great game. Is I would say like a good, a really good co-op game. Yeah. It's not. I don't think it's great in single player, and I don't think it's a great game overall. But I, I have fond fond memories of it and great nostalgia for it. Tailspin and Darkwing Dunk are Darkwing Dunk. dunk. <laughs> That, that was, that uh, was yeah. one of the games announced on Nintendo Direct, I think. Yeah, yeah Darkwing Dark Dunk. Dunk. Yeah, exactly. Starring Michael yeah. Jordan. That's right. Yeah, it's a poop with a hat on it. Yeah, good. Uh, <laughs> well, we've gone off the rails, so what do you say we wrap this one up, boys? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, uh, Brian, Tom, where can everyone find you when you're not on Nintendo Voice Chat? You can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. No, uh, <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on Twitter at Agent Bizzle. I'm on Instagram at Brian Altano. Right on. Uh, I'm only on Twitter at 
Tom R. Marks. Unless you want to look at pies I've made in yeah, which case. That's at Bowtie Pies. At Bo Pies. Bo Pies. Ooh, I'm going to follow that. I didn't know about that. Ooh, that's yeah, like, that's my Instagram. Yeah. That's like a real food porn. Literally, I don't follow anyone. I don't use Instagram. I just post pictures of pies. Occasionally. Perfect. Great. Yeah. That's what my body needs. And I am, of course, <laughs> at Zacharias D on Twitter. And I'm, I think I'm at Zachari- Zachary D on yeah. Instagram. I can never remember my Instagram handle. But uh, we want to thank you so much for listening again this week. Uh, we are NVC, IGN's Nintendo podcast. And we will be back next week, Thursdays, 3 p.m., the only place where you can get the thing. That's correct. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine. Coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.